The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. This is Sarah with Birth Circle, and today I'm so excited to have Aisha with me. Aisha is a midwife and founder of Amani Birth. She has eight children and works together with her husband to bring updated knowledge and evidence-based practices in childbirth to medical workers around the globe. And you're actually in Saudi Arabia, right? Right now, right? So cool. Yeah. (laughs) She's passionate about parents' rights to get educated, prepare, and make informed decisions about their childbirth. Childbirth should be an empowering journey to parenthood. Amen. Amani Birth is an Islamically funded, founded childbirth education and doula program designed to educate women and support the decisions they make. And across the globe, Amani has trained over 900 childbirth educators and doulas and has empowered over 10,000 mothers with evidence and Islamic-based childbirth education. I'm so excited to talk to you today. (laughs) Thank you. I'm I'm so glad that we found each other. Yes. Happy to be here today. I want to start by saying Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, Wassalatu Wassalamu Ala Rasulullah, which in Arabic is basically blessing our time together and um, just uh, putting uh, putting out there, you know, peace between us, and that uh, you know Allah, which is God, is is going to you know bless the time that we're spending and make it a benefit to the people who listen. So thank love you. that. Thank you so much. Okay, so I always ask this question: How did you get started into this crazy birth world? <laughs> Oh, geez. It's a, it is a crazy world. I always tell my potential childbirth educators and doulas, be careful because this world will suck you in, chew you up and spit you out. So, Oh, couldn't have said that better myself. Does that go on a quote that goes on a meme? (laughs) There you go. You you have to draw boundaries around your space. You know, um, women are needy. And when they realize that there's someone out there that can fill those needs, they can, they can become very attached and it can really take a drain on you and your family. But anyways, how did I get started in this work? I will be honest with you. I, um, you know, I had my first uh, baby and during that pregnancy, I, you know, I found childbirth education and I had a great, you know, uh, natural birth and, you know, yay me, first time mom, you know, I did it. Um, and then when I had my second child, I did again, but I kind of got slammed in that birth and I was kind of like, whoa, what is this? And I, and I forgot everything that I had learned in the first birth. And my husband told me two words and that was tummy breathe which reminded me to, you know, calm it down the breathing and to relax. Mm-hmm. And, and I felt like a 50% difference in my pain threshold in the middle of a you know peak of a contraction. You know, I went from I'm going to die to this is, you know, sucky. I don't like it, but I can bear it. I wow, knew cool. at that moment that I had to teach childbirth. Okay. Um, but I wasn't a Muslim at that time. Um, and, you know, life was happening and I was working and I had two little kids and I went on and had three and four and five and whatever. And, you know, it always just kind of was in the back of my heart. You know, I had great bursts, one, two, three, four, five. And it was always there in the back of my heart, but, you know, training to be a childbirth educator is expensive and it takes time and it takes effort. Um, And then I moved to the Middle East (laughs) where I saw a whole different picture of childbirth. And I realized, and by then I was converted to Islam. And here I am in the middle of, you know, Muslim communities. And I found that birth was even more how should I say, I'm just going to spit it out more oppressive than what I experienced. Yeah. 
uh, women didn't know what to expect in childbirth there. Therefore, when you don't know your choices, you have none. Yes. Um, so there was like, they had no choices. Um, they're very rare going to fall into the hands of somebody who will be super supportive. Um, it, it was a culture at that point where they were literally putting them to sleep for second stage labor in a vaginal birth. Um, so, you know, they, they give you a drug to knock you out and you'd wake up with a baby crying next to you, you know, a few hours later. Um, so, I mean, it was bad. Now I had a good birth in that culture, but only because I was American and I already had five kids. And you knew what to, yeah. Kind of just, the, the obstetrician let me have my weight. And afterwards she let me know she didn't like it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Just so you like know, having, just for the record, that wasn't approved. <laughs> yes. I, I didn't like having you awake and communicating with me while I, while I was doing my work, you know? Um, so at the end of the day, you know, it, I realized, oh my God, these, these women have like, like, you know, these horrible birth experiences and that's all they think of birth is that birth is trauma, you know? Um, and so I realized like if, <laughs> At this time is, you know, a fairly new Muslim when I had that child. I thought to myself, you know, if anybody should be trusting the natural process of birth, shouldn't it be my Muslim sisters? Because if we it's believe true. God created all things, don't we believe that God created the female body to conceive, carry, birth, and feed our children? So why are we letting a medicalized system take that away from us? Mm -hmm. You know, um, as Muslims, like we should really be, <laughs> you know, like, like process, you know, processing birth in a natural way. And having said that, and this is probably a question you'll ask me in a minute, except I'm going to segue on my own. Having said that, I, I want to point out that Imani birth isn't just about, you know, natural birth for everybody, kumbaya. Um, as a midwife, I realize that's not realistic and it's not what everybody wants, nor is it what's safe for everybody. Our premise is that women and families have the information they need to make informed decisions and, you know, to have intelligent conversations with their care provider. And to recognize when their care provider is not having an intelligent conversation back with them when they're not mm -hmm. respecting them so they can cut their losses and move on. You know, um, you know, this, the culture that I'm, that I'm, you know, serving is a culture that's very respectful of the hierarchy of power, which is fine. Um, but to the point that second opinions are shameful. Wow. You know? um, like you don't get a second opinion. That's being very arrogant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, mm. You just do what the doctor says and be a good girl. So it was really important for me to give my Muslim sisters something that they could relate to that um, that's very evidence-based. I mean, our, 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 our real niche here, we're really evidence-based, but at the back end of that is everything is tied back to and founded in the faith and religion that we love so much. So, you know, there's so many scientific miracles in Quran that match up with what we know about you know, human development. I love this. Yeah. And so I love that you're taking what is near and dear to the heart and what they understand on a cellular level and right. helping them apply that those truths to then their birth. So you're not coming in from a, a Christian perspective or, or a, any, any other and saying, this is how it should be God perspective, which doesn't mesh up with us at all. Right. And, and I will say, you know, when I work with Americans, British, Western, you know, well, for us in the East, for, for those people who live in the East, British is the West. So, you know, British and, you know, European and American, when I work with converts, for example, in those communities, um, you know, their thing, one of the reasons they like Imani is they can come to an Imani work class and they're not going to have, you know, um, a lot of talk about things that are inappropriate, you know, for us. For example, a lot of, you know, a lot of the birth culture out there is, is about, you know, the too far to the to the extreme of yeah you know, yeah a, it's a woman is a goddess and you know uh -huh. a lot of naked videos and 
you're not going to see that edamani. You know what I mean? Yeah. Things that are not appropriate within the context of our religion. And I also find that a lot of Christians, we have a lot of Christian teachers who come to us because they also feel safe that I'm not going to have to go sit in a room with a bunch of women who are going to be talking in ways that they're not comfortable with. You know, I love that. So this is a great segue. What does an, an Islamic birth space look like? Tell us, kind of well, guide us through that. Yeah, I, I don't know that we could say there is an Islamic birth space per se, um, but I will say this, that there's there should be a lot of focus around only female care providers. Like most Muslim women are not going to want to have a male obstetrician. Yeah. Um, they're not going to want to have, you know, any, any, any male presence other than perhaps their husband. And sometimes they don't even want that. It depends yeah. on, you know, how cultural they are. Um, that is very day, different from the American model. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have some programs in the States that are so based on the husband. It's almost like you can't give birth without him, mm-hmm. you know? So Amani birth has a lot of focus. You can see the book behind me, quick guide for fathers. Um, this is a newer book that I wrote recently. Um, I, I want the dads involved if they want to be there and we give them everything they need to be involved. But if he doesn't want to be there, we also need to make sure the women know that, Hey, you got this with or without the guy, like yeah. you can do this with or without him. But you had the question you asked, what's Islamic birth space? Mainly it would be that, you know, we don't want any men present, um, in the room, uh, usually except for our husband. Um, so we would reject any male care providers, sometimes vehemently reject any male care providers. If there is a need, like sometimes, you know, if you need an epidural or something and there's an anesthesiologist, very often they're male, you know, give us time to cover first, even though like our backside might be exposed to you, like they still want to totally. have Yeah, totally get that. Yeah. yeah. They don't, they, they don't, they don't all cover their face like I do, but if they did, I would want to have my face covered before, you know, the male care provider came in. Um, we would probably, some would, but most would probably not be playing music in the birth room. Um, but they very much would, would perhaps want Quran playing in the background, right? Um, so you might have, you know, your MP3 going with Quran tracks. Um, in fact, Amani Birth has a, uh, uh, an Islamic birth CD um, that we created kind of to counter the birth CDs that are out there. Instead of music in the background, it has the sound of waves, so it has nature sounds in the background. Oh, neat. You know? And instead of, you know, you are goddess, you're beautiful, you're, you know, we talk about Allah is the best of all creators and, you know, he has mercy for you. And, you know, so our tracks and our CDs are very much related back to, you know, our faith. And that's not to say, you know, you can't pigeonhole all Muslim women into one box. No, no, this is just fascinating because then my next question, and maybe it's a dumb question, but it's still a question is, um, what are some of the, the things you do for, to care for a woman during labor? And then like immediately postpartum, one of my best friends is Mexican and she has a whole quarantina and the soups and the teas and the wrapping. And what are, are there any things that you're, you're asking a question that's more cultural than it is Islamic. And so are we talking about women in Malaysia? Are we talking about women in Indonesia? Are we talking about women in Saudi? Are we talking about women, you know, who, where, what culture are you asking me about? Because Islam is, you know, billions of women across the world. That's true. Yeah. Cultures. So if we're talking mm. about Malaysian women, they're all about the, um, and Indian, Indonesian women, they're all about the, what they call the, um, what do they call it? The 40 day moon. So, mm. you know, after the birth, you know, there's a lot of be- belly binding, there's a lot of massage, there's, you know, all of this kind of stuff going on. If we're in Africa, maybe it's, you know, vaginal steaming. If we're in, you know, Saudi Arabia, it's 40 days at your mother's house, you know, or, and, or any of the Gulf uh, Arab countries, you know, they don't go home to, with their husband. They go to their mother's house for 40 days and, you know, their husband might come visit, but he's not staying there. Um, and their intention is, you know, their mother will take good care of them and the baby and get her all like healed up. And she goes back to her husband, like a new bride. He doesn't see her through, you know, some of the postpartum oh, you know, wow. hardships that happen. So he doesn't see any of that. So he, 
he only sees her, you know, as as the new bride that comes home from yeah. other's house. Yeah, I can see it's, the so benefits like said, of that, but that that yeah, that is very different well, than my culture. I don't know, I'm still Americans. <laughs> so I know I don't you know. still got that filter, but I'm like, I don't know. I can see I can see the beauty and the idealism yeah. of that, but the reality is I'm looking at that going, what about the bonding with the dad and the baby? What does that exactly. cause exactly. for future? So this, is of, this is one of the things that we talk about in Imani classes. Like this is your culture and I'm not trying to change your culture, but let's identify that this is what your culture is. I do the same thing with Americans. Your culture is girls snap back into it. You need to be in your skinny jeans and, you know, mm-hmm. run into the park two days after you gave birth to the baby and, you know, taking all your kids out because that's, you know, American culture, like super mom, you got to be able to do everything immediately. Um, and you get no support, you know? Um, versus cultures where you go to your mom's house for 40 days and you're separated from your husband from those 40 days. So I try to, you know, talk to women from the perspective of whatever culture they're coming from um, and then talk about what other cultures are doing and then, and then see like, do you want this? And very often when I work with young Arab culture, uh, women from young cultures, young Arab couples is what I'm trying to say. Um, I'll ask them, you know, I have no problem with your culture, but is this what you want? And sometimes by the t- if, if he's come to the class and he's gotten so prepared and so involved in the pregnancy, they're looking at each other going, no, we don't want to be separated for 40 days. So let's talk about, and let's, oh, give, I love that. let's give you the empowerment to be able to say to your mother and your mother-in-law that you don't want this or that you want some different variation of it. Do you have to go to your mom's for 40 days? Can she come to you so, be a- instead so of 40 days? Yeah. You know? So you corrected me, which I love that the difference between culture and, and the religion. And I, and I think what you're basically telling them is it's okay to go against even your own culture. If, if, if it's out, still aligned with your beliefs, right. Of course right? the court. Yeah. And, that's. Yeah. And I, and I also, you know, I tell them, look, you know, this is your birth. This is your individual experience. It doesn't have to be any one way, culturally speaking, or religiously speaking, and, and birth is birth, like make it your own. Like my main premise is that, you know, like I said, you know, your options so you can make decisions. So you fall into, you know, the oppression of the system or the oppression of the, of the culture or the, or, you know, whatever it might be, um, you know, across the board. And I'd rather that you have a full range of like understanding of what you could do. And then you decide what's right for you. You know, I'm American, but I might like the Malaysian culture of having the, you know, the postpartum, you know, belly wraps and all of that. It's not my culture, you know, and I, but maybe I like that. Maybe I I want some woman to come and massage me and take care of me. And yeah. And you know, the American birth culture is very, uh, they like, just like with the food and with everything else, we like to borrow from everyone. And some people say, oh, that's cultural appropriation. You should never do that. But at the same time, sometimes that is really beautiful when you can learn about somebody else's culture and find right. what resonates with you and bring that like respectfully into your birth space. And that's the key. And that's, you know, if I were to do it and call it my own, that's a problem. You oh know? yeah, so, for sure. So, I mean, or to perpetuate it as my own, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that there's a problem with honoring, um, you know, appreciating and I mean, look at the way I dress. You could say this is cultural appropriation. I'm American you know, and yet I dress this way, but I dress this way for my own personal religious reasons. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's become who I am. It's become a part of me, but I'm not trying to say that I am Saudi or that I am, you know, from some other, some other makes a lot of sense. But also I love that because, um, cross-culturally we have so much to give each other. I mean, we're still yeah. women, we're still sisters on this, yeah. in this species. Well, right. And, and I will say that there's, there is, I am, I, I am, oh, wait a minute. I have to bring my English here. There are, there is verses in Quran. I had to, I couldn't get the right word. There are verses in Quran that talk about, um, Allah talks about, you know, we have scattered you 
and made you of different tongues and different peoples so that you may come together and know each other. Okay. Mm. So the whole purpose of, you know, of us all being diverse is so that we can come together and, and we can know one another and learn and benefit from the beauty of one place to the other. And if you go back in Islamic history, anybody who was a scholar, anybody that had any kind of, a, you know, academic authority was somebody who traveled around the world and brought back to his people what he learned from around the world, you know, he or she learned from around the world. So, you know, in it's Islamic culture is rich in like, let's discover each other and the best of each other and bring it into our, into our life, you know? So I think oh, that's- Oh, wow. Huge. That is so cool. That's so cool. I, I know I have um, a friend who is a Native American and brings a lot of Native American tradition into birth space. And she's, she's right. very, but she's interested in serving American women, not necessarily just Native American, but then right. she had a client that hired her that was Chinese. And she just said, I'm, I, I love that you bring ritual into your space. And I would love for you to teach me how to bring right. ritual into yeah. my space. And I was like, oh, yes, this is yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and I say, you know, regardless of what your religion is, and even if you are, you know, a religious birth is a spiritual event, whether you want it to be or not, birth is spiritual. <laughs> you're never yes. going to get exposed to whatever you consider to be, you know, your creator, your God, or whatever it is. We all worship something, whether we admit it or not. You're never going to get closer to that entity, whatever it is for you, than in the moment of birth. And this is, by the way, why there are so many missionaries in birth work. If you go to oh some poorest countries, who, who's there doing the, who, what midwives are there? They're not just midwives. They're, they're you know, missionary midwives. Uh, because so birth, right. birth is such a vulnerable time for us spiritually that it's an easy time to manipulate the religion, right? And so you'll see a lot of that happening. In fact, when I was in Indonesia, Indonesia has the most Muslims of the entire, the, it's the country with the most Muslims in the world. And um, it is also a country targeted for this kind of missionary midwifery. And there is a strip, well, Indonesia is made up of thousands of islands. And there's one island in particular that's called um, Papua. Okay, you might know Papua New Guinea, but there's also, it's half of that island is Papua Indonesia. Hmm. And in Papua Indonesia, it's definitely <laughs> like you're taking, uh, you know, like you see in the movies, someone's on like a, a canoe, like, you know, trying to get back to the villages of the people, you know, very isolated from, what you might call, um, you know, modern, modern living. Okay. And, um, there was a, I'm trying to think how do you say it? Anyways, there's a religious, an Islamic religious group that was trying to combat the missionaries that were targeting this particular area and trying to convert all these people to, to a different religion than what they were. Okay. So there was a Muslim group that was trying to combat that by going in and propagating the, you know, their own religion, you know, with them. And one of the things that they did is they chose, I can't remember. Oh, oh I, I do remember. It was about 50 people from that village. They chose to take them back to the mainland or whatever the mainland is or all islands or take them back to the one or bigger islands and train them to be midwives and then send them back home to do midwifery in their own community. So they don't need missionary midwives. You know what I mean? Mm. And it was interesting because the very first training I did for money birth outside of my own home country was in Indonesia. And while I was there, it's like the end of the day, we're rushing. I'm trying to finish up. We have to get to the airport. Traffic in Jakarta is insane. And, you know, they're telling me it's take, it takes four hours to get to the airport. I wasn't counting on that. So I'm trying to rush to finish my workshop so I don't miss my plane to the next destination. And I see like these 12 men file into the back of the room. 
I'm like, you know, what are these guys here for? And I nudge my husband. I'm like, go deal with that. Like, whatever that is, like, I don't know, we're being arrested or what? Like, go deal with these guys, you know? So apparently they had got word that this woman from Saudi, and of course I'm from America, but I lived in Saudi. This woman from Saudi was coming to, had come to talk about birth in Islam. These were the guys who were in charge of the program in this, in this community in Papua. And this was the last weekend. Well, the weekend coming was the last weekend for these girls before they send them back to Papua to practice. Mm. Like they're finishing, they're graduating. They heard about me and they're like, we need you to come and talk to these girls before we send them home. And I was like, I'm like, I don't have time for that. They're like, we'll pay you. And I'm like, okay. So I gave them my price (laughs) and whatever. And I didn't expect they'd ever pay it. And they were like, okay, fine. Here's the money. Do it. I'm like, you have to pay, you have to give me tickets, you have to chase my kids that are with me, you have to feed me, you have to, you know, all, you have to print all the material, you have to provide me a translator, you have to, you know, do all this. Anyways, I did a workshop that next weekend with 53 women um, via translation. Now picture this, 53 wow. women. And, you know, just to infuse them with a little bit of, you know, Islam into their birth work for them to take back to their community. Oh my gosh, um, that's such a neat opportunity. Yeah, it was awesome. It was, it was really an amazing opportunity. And um, just to, to work with these, with these women and to open their eyes, they've just fresh finished studying three years of midwifery, you know, and the first thing I had to do is okay, let's, let's untrain you on half the stuff you were taught, because of course they're being taught a lot of, a lot of mini obstetric, you know, men- mentality, right? So totally. Let's, let's, let's peel that back a little bit, you know, and then, you know, we'll, we'll go forward from there, but yeah. So it was, wow. it was, quite, an, it was quite an interesting opportunity. That is so cool. Okay, so I've I've gotten the opportunity to interview the founders of many birth modalities, birth trainings, and it's this is one of my favorite questions: is what is your what makes Amani different? Not just okay, not just yeah. Let let me give you the name of the program. Okay, Amani first of all is my daughter, so Amani is my youngest daughter, um, and it was during her child during my childbearing journey with her um, that my Saudi husband had an epiphany that, oh, men have a role to play. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. We need a moment of silence for that. Hold on. Just a moment. <laughs> okay. Wow. So my husband's a bit of an older Saudi guy, right? So he's older than I am. And so he comes from a, he doesn't come from the current young generation. He comes from a little bit of an older generation. Is there a big difference with the, with the young ones? Oh, there's a big generate big gen- difference in one, from one, one generation, just okay. in one generation. That's fascinating. Okay. Because so he's older. I mean, think about the Saudis today. They're studying in the U.S. They have access to the internet. It's true. When he grew up, it was, you know, he had, even though he did do his college in the U.S., um, but other than doing his college in the U.S., like he didn't have any exposure to the West, like, you know, the current. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. So. Um, and you can see, I, well, I, I don't know how up you are on current events, but you can see how much the young, uh, the young regime in Saudi is trying to, you know, bring a more modern uh, lifestyle here to Saudi. But anyways. Saudi is an inter- a very interesting place. It's the middle of, of, you know, antiquity, but yet it's trying to modernize and there's a lot of modern mm. stuff going on and there's still a lot of tradition. So it's, it's quite an interesting place. Uh, I love being here, but anyways. Um, so in my husband's generation, for sure, birth is a woman's thing. You know, men don't go into the birth room. Um, in fact, there's still, you know, many hospitals here that won't let men in, you know, it's getting, that's getting to be less and less of an issue, but um, for sure, you know, 10 years ago when we had our youngest child and there are still hospitals and that didn't let men in doctors that had never heard of a woman, of a woman bringing our husband into the birth room. Like that was to- so totally like, what are you talking about? Men don't go into birth room. You know, no, I, I actually had one doctor. She was Egyptian who told me when I was pregnant, I asked her, could my husband attend the birth with me? And she said, no, birth is no place for a man. 
And I said, well, I'd like to have my husband with me. Nowhere in the world are men in the birth room. And she's talking to an American and she truly believes what she's saying. <laughs> you know, that's and adorable. Was, like, my head was exploding. Adorable. I'm like, yeah, I was like, I'm like, what? Like, like, you know, I can't believe you're an obstetrician and you're that close to like what happens outside of your labor and delivery room. It's adorable. Yeah. But anyways, um, so birth is a woman's thing, you know? So, um, I, I got, I lost track of the question. The question, the question. Oh, was your husband had this pregnant. epiphany on. Yeah. So, th- so this is, this is, this is kind of, you know, so my daughter, that's, I'm getting back to it. My daughter's name is Amani <laughs> and Amani means wishes in Arabic. Oh. Well, I decided after her birth that I want, or actually while I was pregnant with her, that I wanted to write, actually, I started teaching childbirth education for another brand while I was pregnant with her. I was not a midwife yet. I was not a childbirth teacher. I was not a doula. I was finally like following that passion from years ago. You know, I have eight kids. So we're talking about eighth baby from remember the second birth. I've been like, I want to teach this stuff, but it's expensive. It takes time, blah, 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 blah. So when I was pregnant with her, I was like, okay, this is it. I've had two births in the Middle East now. It is time for me to bring childbirth education. (laughs) And so I went back to the States and got trained to be a childbirth educator. And that was during her pregnancy. And he was very much a part of that. (laughs) I I have to tell you, um, we went for the training. And (laughs) when we were there, we stayed in a hotel, went to America. We went to a training, the same childbirth method that I took when I was pregnant, you know, with my first son, we're now taking training for me to be a teacher. And I told him, I said, okay, you know, the days are long. It's three long days of training. You can come with me and sit in this training with me. I don't know if there'll be other men or not, but you're welcome to come and sit in the training with me. Or you can sit in the hotel room with our seven children. He thought about that for five seconds mm. and went, I think I'll sit with you. <laughs> let the let the teenagers watch the little ones. I don't want to be in that room. I'm wait, wait, wait. How can we use that now to help guide the decision making skills of yeah. other men folk? Well, isn't that what women do? Isn't that what women do, right? So it's, it's gotta be their idea because it was totally his idea to come with yes, you. Absolutely. Yo, yes. You are so on page with me. So, anyways, he sat through that training and he had such an epiphany. Like he was like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" I'm like, I thought I was being a good man to take you to the doctor and leave you in their hands. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that choices are being made and that you needed protection and you mm-hmm. needed a voice and that you needed support. Right? He had no idea. Um, so it totally like woke him up, and he started. He's the one who started telling me write your own program, and I'm like, "Why would I write my own program? I like the program that I took when I was pregnant and the one that I'm teaching." No, no, no. It's not culturally sensitive to us. It doesn't have the Islamic, but you need to write your own program. And I'm thinking that's like rewriting, like that's like reinventing the wheel. Why would I do that? And he's like pushing me, pushing me, pushing me. And I'm like, how can I rewrite? How can I write a program? I'm just a mom who had eight births and who likes this program. How can I write a program? I don't know anything but this program. I love every, every minute of this story. This is amazing. (laughs) So you go into it, kicking and screaming because this is ridiculous. Well, and, and then he's the one who said, well, then you need to get more training. So that's where I started becoming, that's where I went to midwifery school. It was like, I couldn't, I couldn't write something and not just duplicate what I already, what's already out there. Yeah, that's true. It had to be your own. Mm -hmm. Right. So I started attending midwifery school. And the beautiful thing about that is as I wrote the Imani birth program, um, I was also discovering things as a new mid, as a student midwife, right? Um, I was also still fairly new to Islam, not as new as I was in the beginning, but I was still fairly new to Islam. So I was also discovering like scientific miracles related to childbirth and related to, you know, gestation that's in the Quran. So I saw all that with like very fresh eyes. And so as I was like, oh my gosh, discovering stuff, I was able to capture it in that kind of an emotion in my material. 
Yeah, because basically you're able to then connect. Basically, the person reading your material will have the same epiphanies at the right. same time you did, which makes it exactly. really engaging. I, I don't think I could write that way today. Yeah. Right. I'm too. I, I take I, it for granted. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So, so writing it at that time was really a beautiful thing. So anyway, so what's special about Amani? Did you ask me what's special or what's special? <laughs> you know what? At this point, I don't remember. I, <laughs> no. So, yeah. So what's different all, about Amani? To Amani's name, it, it starts with her name because the my materials all named after her. And it was my husband who said we have to, you know, because her birth was such an epiphany for him. I ended up having her at home. Um, and he caught her. So he was my midwife. Oh, neat. Um, he went from the guy who, you know, birth is a woman's thing, doesn't want to be in the labor room to the guy who caught his own baby. Oh, um, and in the Saudi culture, is that just unheard of? Does he tell stories? Oh, totally, unhe- totally unheard of. Yes. And I, I could tell stories about my husband all day. He's amazing. But anyways, he, he became amazing. He was always a good guy. But he yeah, yeah, exactly. Experience. And he's the one who said, we have to call it a money. And Amani means wishes. So we're going to call it Amani Lulada Tabieya, which means wishes for natural birth. And I saw, thought, well, that's great. But like English is my mother tongue. I can't write a program in Arabic. So, you know, I have to have a name that's like, you know, works for the English audience. Yeah. And so that's where we came up with what's called the backronym. We took the name Amani and we turned it into an acronym, right? And so it became Assisting Mothers for Active, Natural, Instinctive Birth. And I'm telling you, it gives me goosebumps because that became the outline of my work, you know? We have, if you're talking about the childbirth education program, we have four modules or four lessons in the assisting section. That's talking to the daddies. We have four modules in the mother's section. We're talking about the physiology of pregnancy, breastfeeding. Then we have four, four modules in the active section, you know, nutrition and, and exercise and, you know, labor positions and choosing a good doctor. Then we have four modules in the natural section where we talk about birth is natural, but we also cover complications, you know. Then we have four modules in the instinctive section where we talk about hormones and we talk about, you know, it's like any other birth program, we're covering all the same topics, but it all comes under neatly underneath of these five letters, Amani, which make up the acronym for the program, which began from my daughter's name. And when I look at, sometimes when I teach it, I have to be honest with you, Sarah, I teach it and, and I'm like, oh God, that's really good. <laughs> like, you know, it all just Yay. flows so nicely. It came together so nicely. And I have to give all the credit to Allah. Wow. It's to Allah first and foremost, that I had the life experiences that I had prior to writing this, that gave me the ability to to do this. And in fact, the day before midwifery school started, I had enrolled. I first day of classes start tomorrow. I looked at my husband and I was scared. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do this or not. Like, I don't know if I want to like be the person in charge of birth and like stitch women up when they tear. And like, I don't know if I really want to do this clinical bit. And he looked at me and he said, Aisha, you were given eight beautiful natural births. You were given the um, academic ability to handle you know, the study of midwifery, um, I'm financing it for you. Like, you don't have to worry about, you know, how you're going to pay for school. Uh, you have the time, you're a housewife. And you know, although you have eight children, you've got big kids who can help you. Like, and I was gonna, doing the math yeah. there. I was like, where did you find time to go back to school for this? But you have very have supportive a, partner and that makes all I the have difference. A very supportive partner and a very supportive family. Like I said, I had a, you know, I had a, a daughter who started, she took over the kitchen. I didn't cook the entire four years. I would, well, I actually was in midwifery school seven years because I did my master's as well, but I didn't cook the entire time I was in midwifery school. <laughs> Another one that was doing laundry. I didn't do laundry for those years. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I'm still parenting my, my children, but, it, but, you know, yeah, I had so a lot much of support. support. My mother lived with me. So it's like, send the babies to grandma. I have to work to do, you know, um, you know, send them to grandma, which is the other side of the house. You know, <laughs> I have work yeah. to do. Um, at, at the end of the day, I just had a very supportive environment around me. 
Um, it, it, everything was ripe for what I did at the time that I did it. And I just truly really believe that Allah, that Allah brought me to it and he brought me through it. Um, and you know, when I shared that journey, it's, it's almost unbelievable. The opportunities and the doors that were opened along that pathway. I love so, that. Sometimes thinking my own story, I think, God, it doesn't even sound real. Like I know, you know, right? I love when you recognize the doors. I love when you see the serendipity, when you see the graces, when you see all those little moments that, that everything has been set for you in your path. Yeah. Absolutely. And you can see how even my work as a, as a, I was before I, you know, I, I climbed corporate ladder and I was, you know, corporate America. Like I can even see the things that I learned in my corporate ladder training and, and, you know, customers, mm-hmm. it was a, I used to work for AAA years ago. So it was, you know, um, very customer service oriented. Like I can see how that has worked its way into my business and how I train my childhood educators and doulas and like all of that. <laughs> I love it. Something. I- I could literally talk all day with you because I really want to know how AAA working at corporate helps the birth workers, but we only have an hour. So what's you asked what's special about Amani, the, the program itself, I truly believe, you know, first and foremost, I have to give glory to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I think it's here because uh, Allah led me to, to do this work. I don't think anybody does this work except it's a calling. And I feel that I was called to do this I work. I love that. Um, yes, yes, And yes. I wasn't afraid to open the doors. You know, Allah gave me opportunities. And a lot of people miss their calling because they're afraid to walk through the doors. Um, so, you know, I, I walked through the doors and I jumped off the cliffs and Allah caught me every time. And at the end of the day, um, like I said, it's very evidence-based. Um, it is very, um, I, I always say that, that Imani birth, at Imani birth, we are all about the truth. Um, so we tell moms the truth, even when it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're all about, you know, supporting their decisions in, in childbirth. And we're all about, you know, bringing the dad in if he wants to be there. But most importantly is we're all about tying this all back to the foundation of Islam, which is so near and dear to my heart. And of course, to many of the women I serve, although birth is birth, we have plenty of, like I said, non-Muslim teachers, and we have plenty of non-Muslim clients who absolutely love our program. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be a Muslim to enjoy. That was my next program. question, but, but it, it sounds like, um, your program really speaks to the, um, the Muslim heart and helping them, you know, again, bring that the truths that they, they know right. inside and applying it to their birth and making them a stronger, well, a stronger Muslim. People, yep. I'm, oh I'm, yeah, I love that. It, it's interesting because here I am, the convert to Islam, and and I sit in, in you know trainings, for example, for doulas and childbirth educators, and 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 I'll be in a room of full of women who are you know born Muslims and you know from whatever culture, and sometimes they'll come to me and they'll cry and they're like, "You've shown me my religion, like <laughs> like like you know mm-hmm. you you brought me back to the center of my of my religion," and I I can't say that anybody's ever converted to Islam because of a money birth. But I can say that people who are already Muslim find a deeper connection to their faith. And I get this kind of testimony all the time. You know, so from people. will this help? Because I know um, in the United States, um, Muslim, th- this is definitely a minority and Absolutely. they may go and they'll go, they will go into the birth space with some expectations that clash with the norm of the American system. Right. So will your birth program kind of help guide them, prepare them to keep their, their space their own? Well, absolutely. Because first of all, like I told you, in many of the cultures that I serve, women are taught to basically just kind of take whatever you just take it. You don't, you don't rock the boat. You don't get a second opinion. You don't, you know, you don't voice out your, you don't advocate for yourself, I guess. So a big part of what we're doing is we're teaching these women, these women that your birth is too important not to speak up for yourself. And it's your, your right and your responsibility to your unborn child. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, like we, we really give them a voice and a confidence that they never had before. Um, and I will tell you that women come out of their birth 
completely changed people. Um, I have so many people who are Imani Burke teachers and doulas because they had an experience with the Imani program or with me or whatever, um, and or with other Imani teachers, they come out of that experience so empowered that they have to perpetuate this into their community, you know. And and I always say that, you know, birth is on a continuum and it's on a continuum from on one end is traumatic and the other end is empowering. Mm-hmm. And very few women land in the middle of that, right? So this is super important because if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna prepare and and educate yourself and make sure that you're in supportive hands, you're gonna end up with trauma. And mm-hmm. that's what many women have. And so you'll, you get women coming to you who have had past traumas, but their whole community has had trauma. So they accept that that's what birth is. Right, and that makes it. Uh, and, and they learn that, oh my God, it could be different. Okay, <laughs> you know? so I'm gonna ask this, it's gonna be very awkward and bumbling and I'm, I want to apologize in advance if, I, if it sounds offensive, but my train of thought, and I don't know very much about the culture. All that I know is that I do know that they separate the men and that it's only a woman, that there is trauma, that there's so much um, that's not open. I mean, sometimes things are a little too open, right? As we were saying before, but okay. Sorry. That's okay. Rabbit, rabbit hole. Okay. So if, <laughs> if you're gonna empower these women and you're going to change this birth experience for them, And you're going to, they're going to taste this. They're going to taste what it means to bond with their child, to bond with their husband in ways that culturally really hasn't supported that before. What is the, what's the lasting impact? Like it's not just the birth. This, you say you change them forever. This trickles on to their entire, this trickles on to their mothering and now their relationship with their, their husband. So like, what are the, yeah. Yeah, Okay. Let me, let me, let me give you one example. I have one woman, she's from India, who's born and raised in Saudi. Many, there's many, many Indians and Pakistanis that are born and raised in Saudi. And so, you know, their culture, culturally, you know, heritagely, heritage is Pakistani Indian, but then they've grown up in this Saudi environment. And so this is what they know. Um, I have one woman who took our training. She had a VBAC after having our training, had absolute, absolute empowerment from that experience. She became, went on to become a very successful Amani uh, teacher Um, I was interviewing her. I do a series once a week called Amani Changed My Life on Facebook Live. Um, And so I talk to different people. Some of them are teachers and doulas. Some of them are mothers, you know, whatever. I did a teen series the other day because I do stuff with teen girls too. Um, But anyways, um, so I had her on. Now I'm in the middle of this interview and I get this male name that pops up on the comments. And he said some, I can't remember what exactly he said, but I put the comment up on the screen for her to see it. And she said, oh, that's my daddy. And I said, oh, your daddy. Yeah, her daddy in India. So now I've got this older generation daddy in India who's thanking me for empowering his daughter. And when she first came to me, I I can't remember what her, you know, know, Indians are very studious, right? So very often Indian women have very high degrees and she had a high degree in like molecular science or or I don't know, something chemical engineering, something, you know, something yeah, like that. Yeah, all, all, the, all the letters after her name. Right. And so when, I can't remember what hers was, but the, this is a very common profile. And she, you know, now she's doing birth work, you know, and when she started this venture, her dad, her family, they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you're like, why are you, like, you're a, me- a mechanical engineer or a chemical engineer or whatever it is that she was, you know, mm-hmm. what are you doing? And they all gave her, you know, heck about it. And now they're so proud of her, you know, sitting back in India, watching her do the work that she does and watching her empower other women. They're so proud of her. And, you know, it's not just impacting her, it's impacting her entire family, you know, and I have other, I could tell you story after story after story of the same stuff, 
where I've not just impacted the woman, I've impacted her husband and I've impacted her father yeah. I've impacted her mother. Yeah. And so, you know, it's making an impact on communities. <sighs> it's huge. Okay. And, so this is okay. one of my favorite things and you've illustrated this. And I just, I just, I just want to hug you because I've said that the solution to world hunger and world peace is to fix the birth space. <gasps> and I can found I share, my can I share with you an Indian proverb, an American Indian proverb um, that says, if you want to create a tribe of warriors, you terrorize their birth. And if you want to create a tribe of peacemakers, you coddle their birth. <gasps> Amen. Yes, yes, yes. But what you are saying is like, you are acting it, you are living it. So we can, we can to. be, yeah, we can be over here in America and judge all we want, but you're over there actually using your, your beliefs, your, who you are and, and joining your sisters together and raising everyone up. Yeah, and that's one of the beautiful things about the Imani family. I want to say is that the Imani family is very supportive. And I tell my girls when they join and we have men, by the way, I have male Imani teachers and I even have one male doula, uh, two male doulas. Actually. Oh, score. One who actually attends birth, one who attended his wife's birth and qualified as a doula attending his wife's right, birth. Right, 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 right. But, but one who actually, actually attends birth. Oh birth, my gosh. Okay? But so I do have men in our program as well, you know, Muslim men who are doing this work, but not very many, but I have a few. But having said that, there there is a teaching in Islam that says that if you Muhammad, bump in my table, there is a teaching in Islam that says if you see an oppression, you must act on it. If you cannot act, you must speak out. And if you cannot speak out, you must at least pray about it. Oh, and so okay. as far as I'm concerned, birth is in a state of oppression around the world. And I'm going to act until I can't act anymore. And my innate and, and hopefully my work will live on and my words will live on. And I will be speaking out about it for all of eternity um, because I can't sit back and know what I know and not share it. And, yeah. you know, and this is one of the things my husband told me when I was nervous about starting the buffet school, he said, you know, you've been blessed with beautiful verses. I said before the ability to do this academic, like you've got a mind for it. You've got the finances, you have the support. What are you going to say to Allah on the day of judgment when he said, I gave you all these, all these gifts. I put you at the door. What are you going to say to him that you didn't want to walk through that you were scared, you know, that you didn't trust him. I yeah. was like, you're killing me. You're killing me. And so, you know, when, when he said that to me, I knew I had no choice, but to carry forward. And um, in fact, when he, like I said, had his epiphany about how important, how important this is, he said to me, Aisha, this has to come to my people. And if you won't help me do it, I'll find someone else who will. That's how passionate he was about it. Wow. He's like, wow. this is, this is my project. You might be the face and the voice, but this is my project. And this has I to be love so, that. Yeah. And I love that so much. He's translated all my work into Arabic. Um, so everything's available in Arabic. It's like probably the first program out there that people can access in their, in the Arab language. We have an Arabic it's coming soon in Urdu. We just got the Imani birth book published in Bengali just last week. Um, you know, so, you know, we're really, we have it in Indonesian. We've had it in Indonesian since the beginning. So we have English, Arabic, Indonesian, Bengali, Urdu's coming. There's a French team working on translation as well. Um, there's a lot of French, uh, a lot of French Muslims, you know, um, across the, uh, you know, Tunisia and um, where else, Muhammad, Algeria, Morocco, and, the, you know, the Northern African countries. Um, not to mention in France, there's a lot of, you know, Muslims as well. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, like we want to reach as many women in the most culturally appropriate, religiously respectful way that we can and in their own language as much as we can. So, yeah. yeah. 
Um, I, I have an Ethiopian t uh, teacher right now who's or a trainee who's who's studying with me right now. And she's like, do you have anyone that speaks my language? And I don't even know what the Ethiopian, the name of the Ethiopian language is. She told me, but I don't even know that name. I'm like, not yet. You're the first. <laughs> you know, so, sign, sign up. Let's go. Let's get you yeah, started. Let's, yeah, you know, yeah. Project going on in the Gambia right now. So, so you, know, you are sending out your own missionaries, really. Kind of, I guess you yep. could say that, but you know, at so, the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's about supporting, it's about supporting moms. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, solving world hunger and world peace by fixing the birth space. Yeah. And there's so, so many practices around the world that are, that are so outdated and still happening routinely, like episiotomies and lithotomy mm -hmm. position and bundle pressure for every birth. And, you know, a lot of things that, that we know evidence-based wise are like outdated practices. So, you know, I'm not only just dealing with, I'm dealing, you know, I'm supporting the moms in America and, and, you know, we know that there's a huge disparity in outcomes in America because of, you know, systemic racism, whether that be, you know, black maternal health or whether that be against minorities of other mm -hmm. you know, types, you know, um, so, you know, you've got that edge, end of the coin and then, you know, that happens in your, in your, you know, Western world. And then you have, you know, just outdated practices that are happening in the Eastern world. And it's like, you know, trying to, trying to navigate, like, what does, you know, like you asked me in the beginning and I said, what culture are we talking about? Trying to navigate what are the issues in each individual culture um, so that we can improve birth outcomes regardless of where you are and how modern or forward thinking your, your culture is like the UK still has its issues or, mm -hmm. you know, or, or other European countries or how, you know, you're still doing episiotomies and putting women to sleep for second stage. Like what? <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, I know. I can't believe that still happens. Yeah, or yeah. the or the hospitals so, where it's a ninety nine percent no I'm exaggerating ninety yeah. percent C section rate and the only the other ten percent is born in the lobby right. accidentally, yeah. yeah that's just it's just crazy and and so what you're saying is that Amani your birth um your birth teachers all your teachers they're very diverse they're coming from oh, yeah. all over we, the world. Are, I Sarah, if you were to line me up with each and one every one of my of my sister organizations, which you could call my competitors, I suppose, if you line me up with all my competitors. Um, at the end of the day, we are the most diverse, I would say organization. Yeah. Hands down. There. Yeah. Um, I, I truly believe that. And I love the diversity in Imani birth is something I'm extremely proud of. And at the end of the day, like, um, you know, and I just said to my sister organizations, you could call them my competitors. I have nothing bad to say about any of my competitors. We all have our niche. Mine is evidence-based and Islamically founded. Mm -hmm. We all have our niche and each one is hitting a different target. And I would love everybody to be, you know, doing Imani birth and Imani birth to be the brand and the name out there, you know, the brand, the name. But at the end of the day, that's not realistic. And I don't care who's talking about birth. Keep going, sis. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if you talk about birth, Sarah, and you talk about birth and you're from a, a different organization, mm -hmm. you talk about birth, you're from a just eventually the powers that be that turn birth into what it is today are mm -hmm. going to have to listen. Amen. And that's what we're starting to see. We're, we're starting to see, you know, the pressure cooker build up in some of the countries that we've worked in really hard for a long time. Um, we're starting to see the lid blow on that. I'm starting yeah. to have obstetricians attend childbirth educator and doula trainings and get certified as childbirth educators and doulas. How many obstetricians do you know sit through a childbirth education and doula program? I would they're love spinning, that. They're, they're spinning I'm, an, I'm an OB and a certified doula. Thank you very yes, much. Exactly. <laughs> and they're proud of it and mm -hmm. they're doing amazing work and they're changing their practice in the birth room. So I love, love, love when I get um, an obstetrician in my class because I know that they have the power to change at least what's happening in their own birth room. If they not, do. It's not a bigger scope. So I love and welcome my obstetricians. They're my, my buddies, my friends, the epiphanies they have in my class. They sit in the class with other women who are just moms who don't even have high school education sometimes. And they're sitting in the same classes with them and having respectful exchange. It's absolutely beautiful. 
Um, so I love, love, love um, that bit of, of my work. I am oftentimes contracted by hospitals to come in and train nurses and do lectures for OBs. Um, you know, I speak at conferences. Um, so there's a lot of work going on, but I, I could talk all day about the work going on, but there's still oceans of work to be done. Yeah. There, so, oh my gosh, have- that's why we're talking at it's 6 30 in the morning for you 10 30 we're talking on all corners of the globe and we're all saying the same thing and you're right it's a tidal wave it's 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 going to change and the other thing that concerns me one of my personal missions is keeping birth workers in business because uh, we can say all we want but if there's a a nine month 18 month turnover and and people are leaving the space because they're burned out like you said at the beginning it'll eat you up and chew you chew you up and spit you out right If we are not united, if we don't have organizations like what you're creating, um, then it's really hard to keep traction. It's really hard to have lasting change. And and I've seen that here. I've seen a couple of people pop up here and there that are kind of solo doing their thing. You can't have the same kind of impact as if you're part of an organization. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like, you know, we have to be there to support each other. There's only so much we can do. Like, you know, I can't do like certain like, like sometimes the girls in some of the countries are like, why aren't you lobbying? Like they're doing in Pennsylvania. And I'm like, cause we can't do that here. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's a good point. You guys yeah. have to be a hundred percent grassroots, right? If you can convert yeah. even a tiny percent of, of the men in, in Saudi, Saudi to, to behavior, like your, to believe like your husband, yeah. oh my gosh, what that would do for families. I, I, and I, I wanted, this story has been, been like in the back of my, a couple questions you asked me a couple questions ago, this, this quick story of my husband says, keep coming to my mind. He was at a men's gathering one time. Well, we were at a family gathering. And so when you go to a family gathering, women go to one room and men go to another. Okay. So I'm sitting in the room with all the, you know, the women of the house. And of course I don't speak much Arabic. They don't speak any English. So we're just sitting there staring at each other, you know? So afterward we come out and my husband's like been in there bonding with the men and they're all Saudi men. So he's like, great. <laughs> he's with his people. Right. Uh-huh. And so, and he's eating his food. He's not eating the weird food that I make for him. You know, I make Mexican food, Italian food, you know, he's having his food. He's happy for that. Anyway, so he, he leaves and I'm like, how do you come visit and your so, house. They want to come visit you. So okay. he says to me, he says to me, well, he said, we're sitting around and, you know, as men do, you know, what do you do for a living? What do Did you do he get birthy on them? My husband says, I travel around the world with my wife to teach about childbirth. Right. He left oh. corporate job. He left a corporate job to do this work. With That's me. so masculine. So I travel oh. around the world with my wife to teach about childbirth. So of course their response is like, you do what? <laughs> like, and one guy says, well, why in the world would you do that? And he says, well, when women understand their choices, then they can have an empowering birth experience and it, and it empowers them for a lifetime. So one of the guy replies back and he says, who the hell wants an empowered woman? Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Keep going. Keep talking. Yeah. You have so, me. So, you know, but what I'm saying, this is the culture that he's right. having to live in. And he just kind of, he's like, well, they're damn sexy. Like you're missing out. <laughs> I know. I was going to say a happy wife, happy life. It's not. Yeah, exactly, it's exactly. And, and this is what, you know, when I talk about, you, you talk about like, I'm empowering them. Like, what does that do? Like, how do they function now in their community? Well, when you're empowering her, you're, you're bringing her husband along with it, especially if they're taking this class, their classes together mm-hmm. and whatnot. And, you know, one of the girls, you know, came one time to visit me after she had had her V-back and she was so like, just, I just remember she was dressed in the most beautiful blue traditional outfit. She was, you know, from India, or I think India, maybe beautiful blue traditional. I just remember she was just glowing. She was so beautiful. And she said, my husband said that you have changed me forever and there's no holding me back now. And it's not just that, you know, I opened doors and empowered her. 
but I made her a different woman. And she had come out of her first birth experience in a state of postpartum um, depression yeah. that perpetuated more than just six months. It was a year, year, you know, a couple year long depression. Yeah, that yeah. Who she was as a woman. And you gave me my wife back. You know, you gave me my wife back. Um, so oh my gosh, it's, it's huge. It's really, yeah, huge. it's huge. It's really huge. Um, and it's so that's, oh, wow. It's so neat that you get to see the impact you do where you, where you are. I, I, I absolutely love it. And, you know, I told you, we just published our book in Bengali. That's because someone in, ben- in Bangladesh read my book, applied what I, she didn't have classes. She didn't communicate with us. She read my book. She applied it. She had an amazing birth experience and she decided this, her people need this. She worked on translation. She got several other people on a team. She had obstetricians working with her who have been impacted. And now we have the book in Bengali and soon we'll have the entire program in Bengali. Inshallah, oh my gosh. Inshallah God willing, they're, they're working on, you know, doing the whole program. Um, wow. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, I'm, I'm watching countries, you know, I'm, I'm opening up and I'm opening up a, a trail in countries where there's never been a trailblaze before. Um, yes. I feel you know, like I said, all glory to God. And at the end of the day, it's, you know, um, I feel to be blessed and honored that I get to be a part of that. And when I get feedback from somebody sitting in some corner of the world that I've never even visited and never even really thought to go to, you know, um, like, you know, you've impacted my life. I, I, how could I do any other work? Right. Sarah? I know exactly. How can you not? I, I, can't, I can't. And how I can't retire and I can't do anything else. And it's, you know, it's, it doesn't matter about the, the finances really, as long as God provides for me, like, you know, I, even if I could do something that would, you know, 10 times over provide, you know, for my family, I, I can't do well, any other. But, but it, it's also, you like you said earlier, you stand in front of your maker yes. and you account for it. And right now you account and you said, I walked through the doors. I did what I was, you know, I was called right. to do. And that's, I mean, what more could you ask? Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, it's like, it's not about anything other than, you know, at, like you said, at the end of the day, it's, it's all about like, what is it that have I contributed that will, that will, uh, uh, you know, be glorifying to God and that he will accept. And I just, I don't know what else I could do with my life. I, I really, right. I, I could not do any other work. And yeah. Yeah. Well, and this I is very could. effective. I believe, I believe that God, um, that God is awakening this work in every tongue and every people, because this is, I think one of the most powerful, well, I said you, you heal, you fix birth, you heal, you solve world hunger and world peace. This is the most, uh, the most, what we can do to raise humanity to the next level, you know, it may not happen for our (laughs) generation or our grandparents are definitely not our parents' generation, but look at our, what our granddaughters are going to be able to. And and I also think about, you know, birth was very much supported in different cultures in different ways. And somewhere in the last hundred years, that's changed. Somebody yeah. flipped what it is today. And if they could flip it to what it is today, Sarah, you and I can flip it back. It's true. So true. So true. We have to, we have to never give up. Oh my goodness. I love this. Okay. So tell everybody all over the entire world, um, how they can get all of the different levels of participation. So if you're, if you're a mom and you don't have the ability to, to have a birth worker, um, an Amani trained birth worker, do you have an online course that they we can? absolutely do? Um, and it's available now in English. It's just rolling out now in Arabic. It's coming soon in Bengali and Urdu. Like I said, it's coming in Indonesian. Um, but definitely it's already rolling in English and it's just now started in Arabic. Um, it is at amanibirth.online. 
And if you put slash resources, moneybirth.online slash resources, you will see our online classes. You'll find our, you'll be able to find teachers in your community if there are any, if you want a class in your community or you want to have doulas in your community. So you can go online, you can do face-to-face. Um, there's, you know, if you want to be an Amani teacher, you know, that, that link is there. If you want to read our stories on our blog, that, you know, information is there. So, you know, the one-stop link is amanibirth.online slash resources. And from there you can, you know, and you can find out about becoming trained and, and all the yes. things. Cool. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Thank you. We we're training so- online. We didn't used to, now we're training online. So we're actually able to reach more and more. People. Yeah. Yeah. You and- know, um, that darn COVID, but it's actually done some pretty cool things. That's the silver lining. And, and mm-hmm. I will say, you know, it's, I just, I'm in teaching a workshop. I just finished teaching a workshop a couple months ago where we had a girl from the UK and we had, of course, people from all over the world. And she is a, she has her master's degree in sonography. So she's a sonographer in the UK. And we were talking about, um, you know, the fact that we don't know that ultrasound is safe and to do one every single visit at your obstetrician is not medically needed and you can say no. And because in some of these cult- countries and cultures that I work in, they get an ultrasound every time they see the doctor. Wow. Every time they see the doctor. And we just don't know that that's safe. And she was like, what, what? So we have monthly meetings for our trainees and our affiliates at Amani Birth where they get some kind of a lesson every month. And she just did a, a lesson for us last week um, on um, ultrasonography and what research is lacking, what research there is and what's lacking and you know, whatever, whatever, and, and why we shouldn't be doing you know, more than you know, this number of scans. And it was very validating for me because I teach this and I'm teaching it to people whose cultural expectation is to have an ultrasound every visit. So it was nice for me to say, see, 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 see. And at the same time for them to be validating back to her that we do get ultrasounds every single visit. See, 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 I didn't lie. <laughs> like, like, you know, both ways, like, like, listen, my UK ultrasonographer, I'm telling you, this is what they do in other countries, mm-hmm. which is just flabbergasted by. And listen, you people in, a, in these other countries that are getting them every month, you know, this is what the expert on the subject is saying, I, I'm not making this stuff up, you know, yeah. so connecting them. Yeah. Connecting those resources. Yeah. And getting them the resources they need at the time they need them to make yes. the decisions. So, yeah. That will alter it. Well, thank you so, so much. I really, really appreciate everything. So again, that's Amani, Amani.online slash resources. Amani birth. Oh, Amani birth.online slash resources. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been incredible. I really appreciate thank you for having me, sir. I really appreciate it. And, and, and I pray that the work that you're doing will flourish. I appreciate that you're out there supporting birth workers and I'll have to introduce my money family to you. Yes. Yes. So I'm sure that you have a lot of stuff for us that we could benefit from. Yes. Yes. Thank you. So we'll, talk, we'll talk again. Thanks so much. Please visit us at birthcircle.com, join our Facebook groups, or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience. And thank you to Launchpod Media, who produces these podcasts.